Hey, Twitter world, it's me, yours truly. Sorry I haven't been around lately. It's just that everything has been so depressing and so negative. You know, I was out at a sushi restaurant a couple of nights ago, and these two people had different tables. They didn't even know each other. Somehow they ended up in a, an argument about Trump and Biden, I guess. And it got so heated that at one point the guy took his glass of water and threw it over on the lady. <laughs> and as we were walking out, my companion said to me, oh, just thank God neither one of them had a gun. Let's go! The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Man, we've got a lot of conversation today about hometown heroes. We were talking about Bryson Stott and Bryce Harper and Kevin Nas going to play in the Saudi back league. And uh, there's a little lecture from OJ on guns, which Adam Hill heard that and just dropped his head. I mean, I'm sure everybody's made the same joke, right? Well, I, first of all, because I, I know you hadn't heard the clip. The the first thing you perked up to was that he went to a sushi restaurant. Yeah. Okay, just, well, I, I, I was actually trying to think in my mind, yes. Uh, of course, there's many jokes about how the sushi is prepared and chopped yes. up. Well, uh, sharp knives. But I was at, like, the reason I perked up was I was like, well, the sushi restaurant I go to is not far from where he lives. I wonder if we go to the same spot. I don't know, man. And then, he, then he's got a then – then I started thinking, like, obviously – the gun comment at the end will, would play into anyone who was very pro-gun when you've got, like, Mr. Knife Guy talking about how crazy things are. And then also the fact that a fight is breaking out between a male and a female. Dude, I don't know if you should be lecturing everyone on that. And then my last thought was, if OJ took the side of the woman and challenged the guy, what do you do if you're the guy? Like, I know you guys have told me a million times, like, OJ is, like, whatever he is, 73? Yeah. So? Like you get a pissed off OJ at a restaurant? I mean OJ We're the... both like really picking our our thoughts and delivering words carefully. Well, I we're big fans of Mr. Simpson, who uh, is obviously a Las Vegan and very well could be listening to the show, and I will say nothing that I'm thinking of about OJ thinking guns are a problem in crime sprees. By the way, OJ is seventy five in a month. Seventy five in a month. And I, I know the other ulterior motive and again i don't want to make light of you know what the saudi government has done and we were talking about blood money earlier with these golfers you will say anything nice you can because your ultimate goal with oj is what to have him on our show every week as a fantasy football expert i think more importantly get into his fantasy league and win it because because when he gives out his fantasy advice which by the way we will feature because we just have to we will feature at 522 today if you get into that league based on what we've heard from him before yeah because his fantasy football advice is like, uh, this week I would, I'm not going to do an OJ impression because I would be terrible. Uh, he'll be like, this week I highly recommend you pick up, you know, Aaron Rodgers. You're like, okay, okay yeah, okay. Why is he available in your league? Who's in your league? I, because I've thought forever that it's just a bunch of people that are scared of him. Yeah. And they just, and they, they won't draft like, any of the good players. Oh, we'll just, uh, you know what? I'm going to draft the third stringer for the Titans instead of uh, a starting quarterback because I want OJ to have whatever players he wants because I don't want to get hurt. Uh, I feel like that's how it operates, and I will go in and I will challenge OJ, and I will win that league. OJ sends I want you, in. OJ sends you a trade offer. Yes. Except. Uh, yes. Yep. I'll do it. He gets your your two starting running backs and two starting receivers for a kicker. You're like, yes, except. What do you think? 
you know how I name teams in fantasy sports. Uh, what do you think my team name would be? <laughs> just, just crunch it, please. <laughs> I, we're not. Do you want to be in this league or not? I, you're, I, I tried to help you save yourself. What would be OJ rules? <laughs> okay. All right. All right. What, what were you thinking? Have you seen that Twitter handle, Big Game Boomer? I don't think so. So it's based around college football, and a lot of it are like it's just a map of the United States. It'll be like the best this in college sports. Oh yeah, and I've definitely seen. Clearly, that. it's trolling much of the time. Uh, every once in a while, it, it has a good list with you know players. And so, like I saw last week, they did you know best uh, inside linebackers, and Austin Ajake from UNLV was on the list as like one of the top fifty players, and he he actually is a very very good linebacker until he got hurt last year. He was kicking ass along with uh, Jacoby Winman in terms of uh, in terms of tackles. Uh, but a lot of it is very trolly. And I saw Deion Sanders, Coach, sorry, Coach Sanders. Coach Prime? Yeah, Coach Prime um, actually responded to a big game boomer. Go check this just to get, get what I'm talking about. If you have Twitter, at Big Game Boomer, and you can kind of see some of the stuff is really silly. And it's very trolly, and it's very much trying to get, you know, certain fans in certain states worked up. Um, but yeah, Coach Prime responded that he he wants a lot more respect from Big Game Boomer when it comes to FCS football. I'm like, Dion, come on, man. you don't know what he's doing here. Now that all said, I mock on this this uh, Twitter handle all the time. I will guarantee you it's bought for like five million dollars by the by the beginning of the football season. Well, so get- it's actually it's actually a brilliant troll site because in spite of the fact that it's just named Big Game Boomer, people love it and respond to it. Love it. Oh, yeah. People are all in on, on any kind of rankings and maps and all that stuff. Deshaun Watson's in the news. Do you want to take this? He's always in the news. He's got more accusers. Uh, He's well, got more accusers, and it's on the heels of Rusty Harden going on local Houston radio and talking about the legality of, we'll say, uh, the finishing touches at a massage. Sure. Saying uh, that it's legal it's unless legal. you pay extra, which could be a problem with the case, but is also factually correct. If a negotiated price is the price, the original negotiated price is the price, and there's nothing added on. Well, I'll, I'll say this: Did you? This did is you, this is very touchy because what's happened now is the the most recent accuser has now used Rusty Harden's interpretation of what goes on and put it in this suit. Yeah. Well, did you, I don't know if that means they've got something here and we'll talk to Justin Watkins later in the week and Xavier Pope about it later in the week on the legality. Did you, well, I think, I don't even know how much they've included except for like, Hey, I didn't like what he said. So now I'm going to join, I'm going to join the suit also. Um, did you watch the real sports piece last week? We, we talked with, with Justin about this and I actually thought, um, Deshaun Watson's lawyers did a really good job on that piece. Uh, first of all, their strategy, which was to not participate, and then right before the story went to air, they called and said, all right, we'll do an interview now. And so they couldn't really be pressed on what they said, and they couldn't take – because, you know, Real Sports will take what the lawyer right. said and then yeah, go to the other action. lawyer. They're like, no, nope, we'll do the last minute and jump on, which was probably the right move in terms of their PR strategy. And I thought his lawyer crushed it and did a really good job. And I feel like what Rusty Harden was angling for is not how this was received. What, because their claim is essentially, look, most of these women that are involved were so thrilled to have Deshaun Watson there that they were like, all right, let's go. 
And several of them that are in the suit allegedly texted him after to ask him out. And so their, their case is essentially, look, yeah, Deshaun Watson went and got massages and hooked up with these women. That was what they wanted. And so he's saying, like, these women are just so blown away by having Deshaun Watson there that they just decide to, you know, go the extra mile just because they're so thrilled to have a celebrity there. And so I think that's where he was trying to go with this. Now, obviously, it was received in a different way, as it should, as a, you know, a, a stain on the on the entire massage community. And that that's that's how it's being received. And, and that's essentially what this the 24th accuser now has said is like, hold on, wait a minute. You're going to make masseuses out to be like this. I'm going to be a part of this now, too, and have another name to it. But again, same same lawyer. So it's Tony it's Busby. Always the same lawyer. Right. Which is the case that Deshaun Watson is making, too. It's not 24 women against one. It's one lawyer against one accuser. Or one, excuse me, one lawyer against one um, accused. We have no idea how close the NFL is to concluding their investigation, or do we? Well, it seems like it's done, and they're close. And I'll, right. I'll say this. I did talk to a uh, somebody in the sportsbook world yesterday that said some very sharp action is betting every single Browns under that they have available and betting against the Browns in every game that's on the board uh, under the, the for, for the entire season under the assumption that it is going to be a full year suspension. Yeah, that's what I've been thinking. That you know, I don't have enough money to spread around to even make it worth it. But I think this Brown season is going to be a disaster. I got a minimum of half a season. Yeah, I and mean, they're, they're again, going to and listen. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this to start. They're going to make an example of him. That would suggest that what they're doing is wrong. That's not what I'm suggesting, but I think they will be very heavy handed and. Listen, they did an investigation, so I'm sure some of the stuff they found, some of it is disturbing. Well, they didn't talk to anybody, so I don't, I don't know if they actually did find anything. Um, I, I will and, – and by the way, I think it, it seems like they didn't participate, and like the NFL could have even tried to talk, and they just said no. So, I mean, it, it's tough to really get to the bottom of exactly how much investigation they actually did. Um, I am sure that his side is going to argue he already did a year suspension, which he basically did. And so the NFL could have that out of saying, like, he was suspended for a year. He did a year. And that's what the precedent is, and that's how we're going to go moving forward. If you had to bet your money right now, would you side with whoever, you know, we'll call this person a sharp, and just fade the Browns as much as you can? Definitely for the first half of the year, but I think that's already kind of baked in. And then do you you then say, even if it's a half season, because it sounds like people think it's going to be a full season, but even if it's a half season – now that's going to be too hard for them to recover. Because the NFL, if you remember, did do them some favors um, and kind of make the first half of the season uh, easier. So, you know, who knows how that was done. Maybe the Browns requested that. I don't know how they worked that out. Uh, but we'll see how it plays out. I, I I was thinking all along it was going to be – well, it's supposed to be six games. We know that. Um, but I was thinking it was going to be a half year. Now it sounds like the kind of the speculation that the winds are blowing toward a full year. Uh, So, you know, I think we'll find out soon enough, and I'm sure it'll be on a Friday afternoon very late. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. I think simply put, this means and solidifies that the Rams are the team to beat in the NFC, and they are right on par with the team to beat in the NFL when it comes to them and the Buffalo Bills. They had no shot of getting back to and winning the Super Bowl without Aaron Donald. I think they are now, because of this, the favorite. 
Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Was anyone handicapping the Rams without Aaron Donald? Did anyone believe he was going to retire? He was all a, I mean, slightly, I don't know, I'm trying to come up with a phraseology here about, wasn't very loud, kind of made a couple of mentions of it, you know, that he, he could move on if the money's not right. So they got it right, and he's back. And are the Rams the favorite? I don't think so. I don't think they were the best team last year. No. So I don't, I don't think they – I mean, they're they're in the mix for sure. That was Dan Orlovsky from ESPN. Well, he's obviously a game-changer defensively. I mean, there's, there's no question about, oh, he's awesome. about that. He's awesome. Um, and, you know, I, I still think he should have been the MVP of the Super Bowl. I think he's the best player in the NFL at any position. Are the Rams your favorite from the NFC? Well, I mean, I would love to see the Saints. But, yeah, I think the, I think the Rams should be the favorite. But not gigantic favorite. No. No, I don't think so. Who's rising up aside from the Packers, the Bucks, and the Rams? Saints. Okay, it's not going to be the Saints. Could be. I think the Saints have a chance to be slightly above 500. I mean, if... I don't I don't believe if, it's the Cowboys or the Eagles. I don't think so either. If Trey Lance is that's, that's a my game team. changer. I, I think if Trey Lance is slightly just better than average... Then the Niners can be really good. Yeah. Well, I mean, they did lose. They did lose McDaniel. Well, they lost. They lost Mike McDaniel. I, I mean, I might seen, make a better case that they they lost their center. That sucks. They Alex lost Mac. They lost their guru. <laughs> uh, so we'll see. We'll see how that potentially plays out. Uh, but yeah, I feel like we're missing someone team. obvious because every time I break down the AFC, I'm like, oh my god, the Raiders might be the ninth or tenth best team. Or, oh, my God, the Patriots might be the ninth or That's right. It was a clear power shift to the AFC this year. I mean, it's already been the power conference. Right. There was a clear power shift to the AFC. Uh, there's no question about that. So, yeah, all like the AFC is completely loaded, and the path is there for the NFC, whether it be the Rams, potentially the Bucks. I mean, there are teams that are on the rise, but I, I don't think anybody's at that level yet. So it was, it's pretty obvious if people were paying attention. You mentioned the Niners. And the X factor being Trey Lance. What about Jimmy G? He's still the plan is still to trade him. Like I, I know people are reacting to the fact that you know he hasn't been traded yet and he's still on the roster, but he's hurt. You can't really trade him right now. He wouldn't pass a physical if you did trade him. Um, and he's been excused now from OTAs this week, which is another indication that they don't expect him because he he could be there and like working on the offense and in the film room and you know out there at practice even if he can't throw. But he's been excused, so he's not there. So I, I think that the, it, it seems pretty clear that he's not in the plans right now. Something weird going on around the Niners with some like media blogger dude. Oh yeah, like who was it? Was it Kinlaw? And so then I think Eric Armstead. I think the kid spoke was up. Grant Cohn, I think his name is. Okay. Um, he runs a a blog that's a that by name is a major outlet, but is not actually that major outlet. There's there's a major outlet that kind of farms out. Um, are you the, talking about SI? Name. Yeah. They farm out Boy, their does, name. It, does SI not care who represents them? No, I don't think so. Because there's some really horrible stuff out there. Awful. For such a, a magazine with such a proud tradition, like they've gone, like, what is it, fan, was it fan-sided? Yeah. And Bleacher Report. Yeah. Essentially, which, they which sell Bleacher Report name. actually Bleacher Report hired some, you know, made a splash at one time. But yeah, I, I see all these things branded as SI, and I'm like, what? Who is this? Yeah. So essentially and this isn't they, like an arrogance thing. Like, read what people are writing and... Most of it is just rebranded, repackaged stuff from people who are on the beat. Yeah. 
it's a it's a it's a weird trend uh, that a such a respected name has gone to. But uh, in this case, yeah, the guy who represents uh, SI for the 49ers is this Grant Cohn kid who does a lot of videos, a lot of blogs. Um, apparently, he's out there, and Kinlaw does not like him, and went out on the practice field and essentially like stood right behind him, breathing down his neck, talking a lot of trash. He was making up. Um, he was making up lyrics to go along with the music that was playing, like rapping about how much of a, you know, a B Grant Cohn is and all this other, all these other things. Right. And then he flipped his, he, you know, snapped his hat, like knocked it off of his head. Well, that's not good. No. I mean, in spite of the fact that, you know, you may think someone's an unqualified jabroni. Yeah. You can't be going up to him and knocking his hat off his head. So Grant Cohn went live to talk about what had happened uh, on, I don't know if it was Twitter or Instagram. I think it was Instagram live. And Kinlaw requested to be in the live and jumped in and talked about it, talked with him. But it wasn't really a conversation. It was Kinlaw just trying to intimidate him and say that nobody likes him and he's not welcome around there and say all kinds of really disparaging things. Now, obviously, the 49ers probably can't be thrilled with this, but it does sound like other players and other people around the organization kind of have the same feelings. Uh, but you just you can't do it. I mean, I get it. I I absolutely get it. I don't blame Kinlaw necessarily for having the feelings. I blame him for allowing them to get to this point where he wants to, you know, actually inflict damage on the kid. And, you know, he said one of the, he said, you know, hey, I was hoping he punched me because I would be rich and I could retire. This is the this is the SI person. Yeah, which I I have said that before about when Brock Lesnar tried to intimidate sure. me. And I was like, I know he's not going to hit me. I just stood right. there and I was like, okay. Right. And I think this kid felt the same way. Like, I can just stand there and he's not going to take it. Now, I have heard the response from that of, hey, man, if your goal is to annoy the players so much that they punch you and you can retire, you probably shouldn't be in the locker room anymore. And I, I can get behind that, too. Like, if, if, yeah. if that's Eric, what Eric he's Armstead, doing. one of the uh, Niners – said this is the type of low life we let into our building. He would rather antagonize and provoke players into hitting him so he can retire instead of doing his quote job yeah. of journalism. Yeah. And and I get it like, you know, I've had players that have come after me not like that. Like, you know, there was a player my first year in the beat who DM'd me after a game and didn't like what I had tweeted during the game about his performance and it was one play. Like it was, I, it wasn't even like a direct, like confrontation. It wasn't. It wasn't like I trashed him. I just said, well, hey, he, you know, he kind of learned a lesson here on this play, right. as a rookie. That you know, he got. I, I can't remember who it was. Like a receiver. Now I'm trying. To, I don't want to give away who the guy is, but um, a receiver kind of came over, um, bodied him a little bit over the middle, knocked him down, snatched the ball, and then picked up a big gain. And I was like, well, that's a lesson learned. I'm sure he'll you know get better from that. And after the game, he said, you don't know what you're talking about. That was his own. It wasn't. And I was like, well, it's still point of contact. Like, he grabbed the ball over you. Like, you still have to make the play. Right. Uh, and then I went and talked to him, and we had a conversation. It wasn't like screaming at it. It was right. like, all right, hey, this is what I thought. And he said, well, you were wrong. And he's like, if we want to talk about it. And I was like, all right, that's fine. I'm, we're totally open to that. But it wasn't like this. Right. And I think that is a, a much more professional way, obviously, from, from both parties to handle a situation than to – scream and you know go go to this level and kinlaw can't do that i mean that's the bottom line i get being annoyed at the kid right but you, you can't do that it's immature yeah and, and you childish you are representing a team like you can't yeah. say the things that he was saying you just can't as much as you want to and i'm again i think he might be in the right but i, I you just can't do that right well and unfortunately it puts you know people like you just told your story about how to handle it and it puts you in a bad light 
you know, yeah. people will generalize what the player relationship is with much of the media, which brings us back to a story that's about 10 days old now. Um, but I wanted your take on this one. Um, this is a, a talk show host in Arkansas who I guess was super annoyed at the way the catcher for Arkansas answered a question, which by the way, right now Arkansas is playing. It's scoreless <laughs> in the Stillwater Regional. Good timing on this one. But uh, listen to this dude who does radio in uh, northwest Arkansas. Just go off. You guys haven't gone through a stretch like what you're in right now all year. Can you put your finger on what's happening? Not really, man. We're just trying to keep the circle tight and cut out a lot of the outside noise. Uh, it's not always that easy to play here. Uh, there's a lot of people that are fans, good fans. Some aren't so great fans. Okay, first of all, you're not a Razorback. You've been here one. You're a rental player, and you've sucked. So thanks for nothing. As a rental player, you do not get to come in here and criticize this fan base, you stupid ass. You are a disgrace, Michael Turner. You're a disgrace. You should not get to wear that uniform again. What a loser. You know why they're losing? Because you're a loser. Okay. So that was press conference coverage at the beginning. That was not the radio guy, but he asked a, a question, and the player said, hey, it's not easy to play here. Which, by the way, We've had college athletes at UNLV say that. And I don't think I turned around and was like, you know, flipping out. Like, that's his opinion. This whole you're not a Razorback thing. Um, I don't know. I like good explosions. I, th- I think calling him a loser is too much. It's a little over the yeah. top. And I also, I, I still believe that you treat college athletes and pro athletes differently. But there are some people out there now who are like, hey, college athletes are getting, a, you know, some cut of the money now. Maybe they're more open to harsh criticism. Um, I don't. I mean, I, I, I guess maybe it's happened. I don't know if I flipped out on a pro athlete and called him a loser. Seems kind of strong. It's, it's, well, it's also not to – I mean, I, I guess I always come across as, you know, talking down to small towns, but when you're stuck in a small town and, like, you get way too involved, you're just way too caught up in yeah. Arkansas baseball, which right. literally no one cares about. Right. Um, but there it's like the biggest deal in the world. So I don't think you're looking at them as college players anymore because they are the, like they, they might as well be Beyonce in that town. So I, I think that's probably part of the issue in this case. It's, man, it's a bad, this is a bad stretch for sec baseball announcers, huh? Then the, uh, the Vanderbilt guy <laughs> accused the Tennessee player, I think of, of failing a PED test. And it was like, there was just somebody sick. Well, I didn't see that. It was I. I could be totally wrong on this. I think this happened over the weekend. I saw Twitter was kind of going nuts. Like SEC Twitter was just going nuts about it. Yeah. And like there was a kid that was taken out of the lineup right before the game, and he was like, "He failed a PED test." And then like Twitter went nuts about it. And then after the game, it was like, "No, he said, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, where did this come from?" Well, I hope this guy gets to come back. His name is Derek Ruskin. By the way, his handle is ESPN Ruskin. Which uh, we also know that ESPN branded stations like ourselves, uh, you will get calls. You might not get them directly, but you will get calls uh, from management to management, uh, and there there could be efforts to oust the guy, which I sure. think would be a little overboard. Sure, if he apologized, and he did. It's just it, just it's too much. Don't, don't be that. I know, but you're, ju- but you're but you're judging like I mean, if it was something that was a hot button issue for you, and you flipped out, people outside the market could be like, "What is he getting all worked up about? Who cares about the, that topic?" The kid didn't even. The kid didn't even like. He's like, yeah. I mean, sometimes the fans are a little like. Yeah, but you're, you, you're also a guy who like agrees with what he's saying that fans are out of control on social media, and so do I. Like I agreed with it too. Like sometimes, sometimes there is a group of fans who do make it difficult for college athletes to just concentrate on what's going on. Yeah, and he said we're trying to block that out. Like he he yeah. said the right things. Yeah. Like, like he didn't doing? crush him. He was actually pretty gentle about yeah. it. It, it, it was. You're it a loser. Seemed to be an overreaction. You're a loser. 
Cofield and company will be back in minutes. Right here, ESPN Las Vegas. You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. I'm gonna live till I die. I'm gonna laugh instead of cry. I'm gonna take the town and turn it upside down. I'm gonna Hold live. Hold it in a second. Have Cofield and Company. Adam Hill is here. It's Cofield. Uh, you were just listening to the ESPN announcer report that a Tennessee baseball player had tested positive, and that's why he was out. So, uh, oops. And now Tennessee baseball is demanding an apology. Well, they probably should. <laughs> that's that's bad. And apparently, like the audio keeps going. The part uh, that we didn't hear as we were just listening right now is it goes. I should say that's according to speculation. Like. Yeah. Yeah, you probably probably should add that. Maybe add that in maybe put that at the front of it, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, that'd be smart. Even then, on a broadcast, I mean, it's tough. I don't know if you saw a tweet or something that we yeah. like. Who knows how that happened? When people react too quickly sometimes we, without without thinking it, it through. We do it on the air. When you're on the air, it's tough. You got to you know vet sources and that sort of thing. It's tough. So fat pack on a Monday, a big weekend for weddings. This is the time of year to get married. It doesn't mess with the football season. It's also the uh, time of year to have kids. Uh, depending on your sure, sport, sure. Like football, yeah. Have the kids now. We don't need any nonsense about you know missing games because of the kiddies. Two weddings over the weekend. But I'm not even sure I can announce these. I'm I'm against the 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 marriages in the first place. Both of them? Yeah, I don't see the purpose. Yeah, I don't either. Brooks Kepka got married. Who yeah. is it? Jenna Sims. Jenna Sims. And Sean McVay, the Rams coach, got married. Yeah. All right. I guess, guys. Enjoy. I guess. Well, the the McVay wedding, as I said, has been pushed back several times. Now, that was a – I don't know how many f- pictures you saw. That was a star-studded affair. Okay. Everyone was there. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Can you name anyone? Uh, I mean, ev- like – Most well, of the Rams, I would assume. Yeah, and Kingsbury was there. Like, uh, LaFleur was there. That was the – That was, the, a, was the, the coaching who's for who's – Yeah. Who's who as well? The, well, Peter Schrager was there, unfortunately. But he, he hosts a podcast with okay. uh, with McVay. By the way, was Jim Gray there? I don't know. I hope And I'm still, I'm still annoyed Jim by the Gray. photos I saw Jim last week the of, photo of Jim Gray Brady. sitting with Tom Brady in the Aces game. I'm like, I don't get this. Well, they were recording their pants spots or whatever. He really hangs out with the guy? <laughs> There's no way. It's so weird. He just had to have tagged along. And he just lets him come along? I think so. All right, so McVeigh, who's who? Yeah, McVeigh did an outfit change, by the way. Went, Why? Went black tux for the ceremony. Right. And then the start of the reception. Right. And then switched to a white tux. All white tux? Yeah. Wow. I mean, maybe just the jacket, but yeah, okay. switched it All over. Right. Okay. Um, And he rapped. I saw him do that. I mean, you you sent this over. He he sang along. No, no, no. That's did they all, actually. Th- did they actually. Did everyone else get out and he I did saw, a solo? I saw several tweets that he did both rap verses from California Love. Now the part that we saw on video, no, they didn't have that. Was only like the chorus. He was okay. singing along with the band. Wow. Okay. But apparently he did both verses. Yeah. Which is impressive. Okay. Um. Obviously, you know, one verse better than the other. Tupac verse is the better verse. Uh, but good for him that he was able to do that. Uh, Brooks, what's, be- what's better, rapping at your own wedding or what Brooks Kepka did? I mean, I think I think rapping at your own wedding is more impressive. Yeah. Um, Brooks Kepka had his wedding band was ludicrous. 
That's pretty crazy. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. And it was in Turks and Caicos. You got to fly Ludacris there. Wow. How much money do you have? Do you have? Man. He's got that Saudi Arabia money coming in already. And he hasn't even I want Brooks Kepka to step up and say the guys playing for the Saudis are too rich. Now, Brooks and Jenna, both also rapping along. Her more impressively than him, actually. Is that right? Yeah. All the lyrics? It's always a hot topic. For I you. mean, we only saw portions. Yeah. Like we didn't see whole verses. We don't know exactly uh, how many of the questionable words she actually used, how many she rapped along with, or she self-edit. Um, do you do you, do you does Ludacris at a wedding the beginning of a partnership? Do you do move bitch get out the way? Yeah, I'm sure you do. You just do it. Well, I'll say this: I don't. I'm sure he did like a customized set. Yeah, but I've seen I've seen Ludacris randomly this is a really weird thing yeah four times the last year really yeah how good is he amazing really amazing okay. all right now one set he w- he went really long because it didn't start till like three in the morning and he's like hey if you guys are willing to stay up this late like let's just go and he did like two and a half hours it was nuts wow okay uh but the other three he did the exact same set at all three so i assume he just did that set at the wedding it's like it's like an hour I assume that's what he did, and nice. that was I, I, that was the closer. That will sound like good weddings. That would be that'd be a good wedding. Do you complain about? Do you complain to Capcare? You're like, dude, destination wedding, and he's like, got, got just, just wait until wait until you see what I have. Or if it's, I, it's worth it. Or would it be completely obnoxious if I showed up and I was like, I've seen him like four times. <laughs> like I, I've seen him so many times. He was, come on, he was at the, you know, he was at the Super Bowl party that I went to. He did a Brooklyn Bowl. Like, uh, come on. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. 3-2 is hit in the air, right field. It's out beautifully. It is over! Three-run home run for Bryson Stott. The prayers have been answered. The Phillies have won it here in the bottom of the ninth inning. They win it 9-7. The Vegas connection has tied it and won it. What a ball. It's a good call, Tommy. Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with John Von Tobel. Billy's TV. Nice call, Tommy. McCarthy, Bryson Stott, game winner. You know, one thing when you bet baseball, you don't get in front of the freight train, good or bad. And so the last couple of games of the weekend, and I, that was a very lucky win by the Phillies. Great comeback, but I'm not getting in the way of uh, – of the Angels losing streak here. So I'll bet against them. And poor Von Tobel was so happy to start the season. John, your team has fallen apart. It's a nightmare. They're like, and, and they're finding new and interesting and creative ways to lose these games. Um, and like, it's no surprise right in that game, their best rotation arm, Patrick Sandoval comes out, puts together pretty good performance. They're up five, nothing. They're up six, two. And then you get to the uh, other arms and some defensive miscues. And just like that, uh, a uh, 5 nothing lead turns into a 9-7 loss and your 11th consecutive loss. So uh, there's a lot that goes into it. Mike Trout's, what, 0 for 26 on his 0 for 26 slump that he's on. Uh, his home road splits are incredible. He's batting 200 on the road. He's batting well over, I think, over 320, 330 at home. And they're back at home with Syndergaard where he's pitched a lot better. So hopefully they can snap it tonight. But I would agree with you. I mean, when you're 
Like there's a point where there's some value, right? Like today, I think they're hovering around minus 111 after opening up minus 125. But like the Red Sox are playing really well. They've won what 12 out of 17, something around there. They're mashing. I'm with you. It's not a it's not something I want to be like, I'm gonna be the guy that is gonna bet on the Angels to get out of this slump because uh it's gonna be painful. They're due. If you'd played the Reds, yeah, right, right. they're due. You got killed. Um Let's uh, let's talk some basketball here in the finals and the first two games and the win yesterday by Golden State. And I know you wanted to start out talking about game two and talk handicapping situational or statistical. Well, it, so here is I just I wanted to get your guys thoughts on this. So I have um, despite what a lot of um, Twitter avatars like with a lot of numbers next to their name <laughs> will say, um, I actually I, I look at the way that I handicap things and I realize I have blind spots as a handicapper. And one of my blind spots is a handicapper. And, and it's come across sometimes, Steve, in our conversations, which is like I'm kind of just – logical is not the right term because that makes it sound like anybody else is not and they're, they're stupid. Um, but, like, when I look at it, it's very much like almost kind of binary. It's like, okay, this is the number that I set. If it is not this number, if it's too high, it's too low, look for the value. I will bet that side accordingly. And so, like yesterday, for example, um, the market all over the Warriors for the second consecutive game. But the market goes from three and a half to five. Why? Well, because their backs are against the wall, because it's a desperation spot, because of all these like these weird, just kind of subjective, like they got to win, right? Almost like they're they're due. And so I bet the Celtics yesterday and I was thinking like, look, I don't care if they get blown up by 20, which ultimately they did, um, because I'm taking five on a number that I made two and a half. And I got a lot of that's not the way you handicap basketball. That's it's more simple than that. You're just too wrapped up in your numbers. And I put it to you guys like, are you guys situational guys? Are you data guys? Like, how do you look at it from a handicapping perspective? Because I do think one of my blind spots is I will poo poo spots and situations in favor of what I believe to be the best numbers. Well, I mean, obviously, I think like you, I'm more I'm more data driven and more, you know, you just look at the numbers and, and it, it tells you what side of the value is on for you. But that doesn't mean it's always going to be right. And I think that's right. the issue is that a lot of times we look at it in hindsight and say, oh, yeah, clearly. And, you know, the people that said to you, oh, you're an idiot. That's not how you do it. If the Celtics would have covered, um, they would have never said a word about it and they just would have moved on. And uh, and and it just it's it's just weird how that acts sometimes. I mean, I'll give you an example. Like I've been I, I actually was talking to um, one of our you know mutual friends who you work with the other day about. Um, I've been handicapping baseball a lot lately. I've been really breaking down numbers every single day just because I don't have a lot of NFL stuff going on. And I've been doing pretty well, but I made a massive mistake last week in playing a big number on the Dodgers in the third game of that Pirate series. And he said you and him had kind of laughed about, like, oh, I bet you a bunch of idiots are going to play this. <laughs> but, like, there is something to, like, the Dodgers are a really good team, and they're going to, you know, the last game of a series be like, we're not getting swept by this team. Now, it didn't work out, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I still don't hate that I made the bet, though. Mm -hmm. yeah, I want to waste what I usually do. Well, and we're talking about this, Adam, and it's funny because I'm bringing this up in terms of handicapping basketball. Uh, what did we just talk about? We just talked about the Angels. I don't want to get in front of a losing streak, even though actually I think you're kind of getting a buy a low spot. So it kind of goes against my own philosophy. I just think to me, ultimately, like the bigger part of the conversation that, that I like to have here is I, I think it's readily admitting where you as a handicapper have blind spots. And uh, I like to admit that I have those blind spots and I've been burned quite a few times. But I think you bring up a great point, too, which is we don't talk about these things if they don't happen. So, for example, yeah. one of the things that I laughed at, like openly mocked uh, and my co-host, Matt Humans, I didn't mock him, but I laughed at the sentiment that the Celtics were tired in game one after losing or after winning game seven. And I'm like, what are we doing? Like, it's they're, they're three nights off. Like, I don't know what this whole thing is about them being tired and it being a bad spot. And I, I crapped on that situation and ultimately worked out for me. And this one didn't. 
So if they had failed to cover that game, you know what we would have heard afterwards? Told you it was a terrible spot. And so like, I don't want to fall too far into it. Um, but after a shellacking like that, it does make you look at yourself and, you know, reevaluate how you do it. But ultimately, I came out thinking that I'm just going to continue to do what I do. John Montobel's with us. VEASAN, 1 o'clock every day, Monday to Friday. He's got his hard-won handicapper show as well. All right, where's the public? Where are the books now that we got a 1-1 series with the Warriors and the Celtics? Well, I just – I'm finding this surprise, Steve. Like, so if you remember our conversations about the Eastern Conference Finals, the betting, the betting market couldn't get enough of Boston. Like, it was every single game, especially after, like, game three – it was Boston money showing up almost every single day. Boston this, Boston that, whatever it was. This is completely flipped on its head. Uh, the market cannot get enough of the Golden State Warriors. If you look at the series prices uh, from a liability standpoint, a lot of a lot of books um, reporting before the series began that the liability from a series price standpoint on the Golden State Warriors. Game one, they talked about the situation that the Celtics were in. Over 75% of the tickets, 80% of the handle or vice versa on the Golden State Warriors. Same situation in game two. It, like this has been an overwhelming amount of support for Golden State at the window, and I, I find personally, I find it surprising as somebody who thinks the Celtics are the better team. The resistance that I have faced in proclaiming that personally has been pretty surprising, but also just the betting market and the betting public. So, like, I don't know if it's because it's a familiar face. It's Steph Curry. It's Steve Kerr. It's the Warriors. It's your guy Draymond and Clay, um, or it's a new face in the Celtics, and you don't really believe in them. But I, I've been really surprised that the market is where it's at. And even look at the situation now too. Multiple shops have the Warriors as the favorite to win this series. And it's very slight. It's only minus 115, but they don't have home court. They're underdogs in game three. They're going to be underdogs in game four, barring any catastrophic absence for the Boston Celtics. I think it is, it's honestly shocking to see the overwhelming support of Golden State in this situation against Boston. It's pretty eye-opening. What are we doing with the MVP market finals? Well, I, I just I think it's pretty interesting. So, look, these are obviously at this point, these are subjective odds, right? And you're always going to base these two on liability. And a guy like Jason Tatum is, is going to get um, a lot of support at the window. And Curry deserves to be, I think, the favorite. But right now, just given that he's been the most consistent player so far in this series, some spots have the Warriors as a favorite. So it makes sense to make them the even money favorite at this point. At, at the same time, and Adam and I talk about this a lot, like, you know, we just talk about like the results, right? The results-based um, thinking of things. People are going to look at Tatum scoring 28 points in that game in game two. And if he goes on to win, the, they go on to win these finals, he's going to be in the driver's seat to win this award. I think Tatum has been terrible through the first two games. And yet, according to the betting market, he is the most likely Celtic to win this thing. You can get a guy like Jalen Brown at nine to one to win finals MVP. I think that's the bet if you haven't gotten involved in this market yet. But I'm just, I always get some, I always laugh at, you know, these awards and the way that they're handed out. Most outstanding player in the Final Four should not have been Ochag Baji because he's a recognizable name, though. He wins it, even though he shouldn't have sniffed it. And we see it all the time. And it's just, it is setting up potentially to be one of those again, despite Tatum's, I would say, very underwhelming performances through two games. NHL, five o'clock start, Edmonton, Colorado. Avs can close it out. Uh, the uh, sides are interesting, but the total's really been the whole thing throughout the series. Tonight, it's six and a half with the over at minus 140. Yeah, there's six and a half out there and there's sevens. And like, this is this is also what I like. It, it, this is just more of like an observation. And you guys know this. Uh, going into, so going into the first two games of these series that are underway right now, you heard two things. For Colorado Edmonton, it was high scoring series over, 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 over. And for New York and Tampa Bay, every person I knew, and I will say, I think every person at the network at VSIN who handicapped hockey, had the under in that first game. And this this series is going to be under, under, under. 
Well, what happens, right? Like that first game, of course, between New York and Tampa Bay goes well over the total. And I'm watching that thing fly over. But this series as a whole, who a lot of people have been, I, I have heard analysts and pundits outside of the network say these totals should be eight for, for Colorado and Edmonton. And then, of course, the last two games go into the total and we see these six and a half starting to appear. I, I just find it really fascinating. Like I'm not obviously a day to day hockey handicapper. But when you see a, an outstanding total that you know is unique in terms of seven, in some spots six and a half, heavily shaded to the over, I'm just I'm really uh, I really like to track things like this. And the last two games have gone well under the total. We have the, the suspension situation for Edmonton, the injury situation for Colorado. Uh, it does seem like it would be a spot where this thing would again go under the total. Uh, but I just like when you have narratives like this kind of pushing forward. And uh, through the first through the first three games of the series, it has been an under series, despite everybody telling you that would be a high scoring game. Rangers lightning the series. What are we doing? We're we playing the lightning to win plus one twenty. Well, I kind I would wanted to get your thoughts on this too, guys, because when you look at it from a number standpoint, um, I was talking about this earlier today. It like expected goals for heavily in favor of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, the Corsi four percentage, you know, their shot share heavily in favor uh, of the Tampa Bay Lightning. They finally break through. They win this game against uh, the Rangers in Game Three on a last second show, last minute because it was under a minute um, from Palat. And it does seem that not that this should be like three nothing or something like that, but that this is a series in which Tampa Bay should probably be in a better position than they are right now. And there's some spots where you can find them at plus one forty. And I feel like, you know, you're talking about plus 140 for a team that has statistically outplayed the other for the first three games. It is a $1.70, $1.75 favorite in game four to even this up at home. I just felt like at plus 140, I was very tempted to look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. Haven't made the bet yet, but I, I think it's something I'm going to make. I would do it. I mean, I'm in a different spot than you uh, having a Rangers future ticket. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so, I'm not involved at all. So, yeah. So it makes it a little bit more different, uh, makes it a little bit more. Uh, complicated, I guess, to handicap that. I obviously, as a pessimistic person by nature, think the Lightning are going to win the series. Uh, so I would be on that bet. I think you're right in all, all the breakdown. Uh, having watched every game, uh, pretty much every minute, I will say like this has been a two-player series because the Lightning have been the better mm -hmm. team, but Shesterkin has been much, much better uh, than Vasilevsky. So that's how they, they're in a 2-1 spot right now, but the Lightning have been a better team. And over a course of seven games, that usually will bear itself out. And Adam, like, I mean, just just reading the market from the first two games, I think they the Lightning closed. Correct me if I'm wrong. About a dollar twenty five favorite in the first two games, right in New York. Yeah. So like, this is it. It seems like getting them at plus one forty, a team that is likely going to be favored in every game from here on out. Like, I, I think I like my chances in that regard. You know. Let's close on this. We got about uh, forty five seconds, John. Um, Adam watched Steve Javi say that uh, wouldn't give. Uh, Draymond Green, that second technical, because uh, you know the situation. You know, basically don't want to take him out of the game. Your thoughts? Uh, well, that's ridiculous. Uh, I didn't hear him say that. I, but uh, if that is the case, um, you should probably get fired. If he if it's a technical, then he deserves a technical. <laughs> like you don't well, you don't. He's, he's the uh, analyst on yeah, the, I mean, on the he's game. A, he's a former NBA ref, but he said, "No, hey, no, I get that. I understand that." Yeah. Right. What I'm saying is, like, because he's saying if he was in the situation, he wouldn't do it. That's ridiculous. If it's a technical, you deserve a technical foul. I think that's probably the end of it, right? So, when he, was, little... he was, but he was right, right? I mean, they didn't give it to him. <laughs> like, right. he, was, he was correct in his assessment. It's just, it speaks very, very badly about the state of, well, we know officiating in all sports mm -hmm. is horrific, but like, that's not how you're supposed to call a game. Right. If it's a violation, it's a violation. You shouldn't sit there and go, ah, yeah, not in this situation where we'll bend the rules here a little bit. If it's a rule, and he's broken it, then he deserves to be penalized for it. John, we appreciate it. Hope you're feeling better. Thank you. I don't know what you're talking about. I feel great. I'll see you tomorrow. There you go. <laughs> John Von Tobel, actually part of the company 
Uh, he is the company tomorrow. It's Adam Hill. It's Cofield. He still doesn't thank me for his dollar, by the way. He, he tweeted out the other day, I can't believe all these people put their cash app on their card. Do people really expect money to just be sent to them? So I sent him money. He didn't, he didn't thank me for it. Did he miss it? Maybe. It was only a dollar. Maybe he didn't know about it? Yeah. All right, back to uh, minicamp opening up for the Raiders and uh, some of the key questions going into this week, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday.